It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Doing Good. I am your host, Carmen Herbert, and I am so excited to have on the podcast today, Dennis Schleicher. Dennis Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I'm so excited to talk with you. Well, Carmen, thank you. I I usually go by the Holy Ghost when I'm uh, scheduling podcasts and interviews, and you just felt right. So. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Well, so did you. And, and I'm the same when I schedule podcasts and people to talk with. And I just happened to stumble across your Instagram. It like popped up on my feed. And I saw this book called, Is He Nuts? Why a Gay Man Would Become a Member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I was so intrigued by it. So I clicked on your Instagram and started reading about you and everything you're doing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to talk to Dennis. So I get to read your bio now and you get to sit back and listen to how amazing you are. And then we can get oh, right I think, I think you're amazing. I think all of my followers are amazing. That's oh what I always my goodness. Say, so. Well, this is going to be so fun. So Dennis, you are the best-selling author of the book that I said is called, Is He Nuts? Why a Gay Man Would Become a Member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. As an in-demand public speaker specializing in devotionals, firesides, and family home evenings with the LDS Church, Dennis, you have appeared on seven talk shows, including Larry King Live and Sally Jesse Raphael, after being a victim of a brutal hate crime that occurred in your high school. You now serve as Elders Quorum First President. Is that right? Correct. Elders Quorum President, Board Mission Leader, assisting sisters and elders throughout the world to better understand how to work with and deal with LGBTQ community, creating a better understanding amongst all people. So, oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about there, but let's first talk about this hate crime that you experienced yeah. in high school. Would you mind? Yes, not, not at all, that? Carmen. It's a, it's, it's, I'm glad you brought it up because I'm noticing that even though that was almost 30 years ago, a lot of things still have not changed. And it's really, it breaks my heart to think of, of the fact that people are still persecuted. That breaks and, my heart too. And that was one of my revelations to joining the church is, is when I visited Joseph Smith's childhood home, the veil was really thin and I felt the persecution of all the pioneers. And I started crying and it was 98 degrees outside and 99% humidity. And I had goosebumps on my legs and on my arms. And that doesn't happen in that humidity because I started to say, if anybody could love and accept members of the, of, of the LGBT community, it's members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because oh. I felt everything they went through. Oh my goodness. And you have experienced your own yes. persecution in well, your life. So, so yes, being a, a member of a minority group, a lot of people say to me, well, how can you be gay if you're not acting on it? Why don't you call yourself same-sex attraction? And my friend Ben Scalati and also um, um, many others, uh, Tom Christofferson, you know, Elder Christofferson's son. Yes. Or not son, but I'm sorry, brother. Brother, yes. Uh, he says, I'm gay because you'd be taking away your entire identity. And so let's go back, Carmen. In 1989, I was 17. I was using the urinal. I was on a soap opera and I used to do commercials. And I was uh, attacked by 15 students. Five initiated the attack. 
And I, it was one of the hardest things for me to write about in Izzy Nuts. That and the, the death of my younger brother, Darren, who was also a revelation to joining the church. And I just was like flabbergasted because I wasn't out as being a gay man. I was accused of being gay. And that was just, and the school did not support me. They said, if you weren't on a soap opera, if you were making out with women in a hallway, we wouldn't be dealing with this. And I just was like, what? So I'm somebody that, you know, that laid the foundation for who I was, that made me a stronger person, but it also made me discriminate against a lot of people. And it just made me be, be a person that is not Christ-like because I discriminated against members of our church. I would be the one that would slam the doors in missionaries' faces or try to pick a fight or to get really close and say, I'm gay. And they'd be like, yes, and we love you. And I'm like, but you're Mormon. And I just would try everything to get some sort of argumentative statement. And I couldn't. So my whole message is don't judge a book by its cover. You'll notice that Al uh, Carraway, more than the tattooed Mormon, wrote my forward. I love her. Isn't she awesome? She's amazing. Well, so she's another person, Carmen, that I discriminated against. And I write about that because I was given her, I was offered to read her book when I was in Palmyra, New York, and I wasn't baptized yet. And I was going, oh, that's nice. Thank you. And I handed it back and I said, I'll look it up. And my friend sent me selfie videos with her when she was doing firesides and talks and I'd go on my iPhone. What are they sending me that woman for? Delete, delete. I don't want to read about some tattooed woman. I don't, I'm scared of needles. I don't have tattoos. And I, so when I was asked by a general authority to write my book, it was my first convert baptism. It was three years ago on March 11th. Oh, yeah. That is amazing. It was, um, well, when the general authority, I was like, why am I being called to meet with the general authority? I'm like, am I losing my limited temple recommend? Yeah. <laughs> what did I do? And he said, son, he goes, what do your gay friends tell you when you joined, became a Mormon? Because at the time we were allowed to say that. So yes, yes. I said, are you nuts? They're going to have you married off to in no time. They're going to put you in conversion therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and he put his arm on my shoulder and he leaned in closer and he said, son, you have a larger calling than you know. That's what I want your next book to be about is called Is He Nuts? Why Would a Gay Man Become Mormon? And I looked at him and I said, you're nuts. I need you in the church to write a book. <laughs> yes, right. But look we, at, we laugh at it now, yeah. Well, but look at how many lives it's affected and changed. And Dennis, mm. that hearing about um, people being cruel to you and unkind simply, simply because of your sexual orientation honestly breaks my heart. It should never, ever happen, ever. And unfortunately- Well, yeah, I'm sorry. No, I, it, it, yeah. it's terrible and it should never happen. Unfortunately, it does. But how did you, how did you get past that experience and get past that bitterness and hatred that is justified with people that were judging you to then even have your heart be open to learning more about the church? I just got goosebumps on the back of my neck. And whenever that happens, I know the Holy Ghost is present. So 
this was a complete 360 because when I was in Palmyra, New York, I was saying they're nuts. I don't want to go to Palmyra. So let's back up a month before everything was significant about dates because I was so angry at our church when I was in staying in Lehigh at the um, Thanksgiving Point Marriott. Yeah. When I was invited to go to Palmyra, I said on June 19th, 2017, I said, they're nuts. I don't want to go to Palmyra, but I graciously accepted. And I stole the Book of Mormon out of the Marriott, out of Anchor. <gasps> Yay for Marriott's that stock those yes. in the nightstand. Yes. That's awesome. And I stopped paying for that book. And I almost <laughs> started an LGBT protest seven months earlier at the dedication of the Connecticut Temple. No way. Yeah. And so when I received first presidential approval to have my endowment early, I had to Google it. And my state president felt really adamant to push it through. And he said, I just have to send some paper off to Utah. No big deal. I get it back and I open it up my iPhone. And I was the first person out of 13 that were approved. And it reminds me, God knows us by name. And God knows you by name. And he knows all of us by name. And yes. our state, our first presidency knows all of us by name. Yes. And so to go to answer your question, how did I overcome that? So I stole the book on June 19th. I returned from Palmyra on July 19th, and the missionaries were praying for a walk-in. And on the 23rd of July, I was that walk-in because all of my friends in Utah couldn't, every time they would call the ward or the missionaries, it was a gas station, or it was a supermarket, or it was a fax machine. Oh. The number on LDS was, was not wrong. accurate. It was wrong. Not the right number for so the, the church. The adversary did not want this to happen. And so I was baptized three weeks later after walking through those doors, because I'm in the lobby of the church right now recording this, uh, they were praying for a walk-in. And I was baptized three weeks later. So it was a quick three-week turnaround that I started to realize, if I don't understand somebody, I need to change my behavior quickly because I don't want to meet, I feel the latter days are sooner than later, and I don't want to meet our Savior and have to justify why I judged Al Carraway or why I judged members of our church. And now I serve with thousands of missionaries all over the world and mission presidents. I do zone conferences. I have to share a blessing. And I don't know why, but it's just coming. Somebody saw, read my book and follows me on Instagram and reached out to me and said, my wife and I have been praying about this. And we would like to fund your flights for when you do devotionals. Oh, my goodness. How amazing. And that was just a huge weight lifted off my shoulder because I would be putting it on credit cards. And, and I just, that's not the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint way. Right. And But I felt that the Holy Ghost was saying, you have to be there. You have to do this fireside. You have to do this devotional. The state yeah. president's relying on you. This mission president's relying on you. And 50% of the people who attend my devotionals are inactive. And the mission president reports a 20% increase of returning members. Oh, that is amazing, Dennis. How incredible is that? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And for those of you who don't know, so when when we get firesides or devotionals or youth conferences, it's all on our own dime. So we we drive to places, we fly out places, and sometimes um, wards and stakes can, can raise money to help compensate for flights or we can stay in members' houses yes. or things like that. But we don't get paid 
to speak at, nope, at, at nope. firesides and devotionals. We and don't. We're not allowed to talk about our books or anything. And I respect that because we're yeah. at the pulpit. Right. Yeah. And, and, and the purpose of, of speaking and giving devotionals and firesides is to bring others closer to Jesus sure. Christ. All of it doesn't, it doesn't point to us. It, it, we, everything we do, and I know you do. And, and what I try to do is it's whenever I speak or do anything, it's, I don't ever want people to look at me and think, Oh, I want to, I, I want to be you, or I, I want to yeah. be like you. I want them to hear my experience and, and then draw closer to heavenly father and, and find yeah. their role in life and find what they're yeah. meant to do and who they're meant to be. Carmen, I just, I just, again, goosebumps. I could see us doing co-devotional someday. I would you know, love or, that. Yeah, time out for women or something. Oh my but, goodness, uh, Dennis. I would jump at that chance. I think that's amazing. You are so true because it's, it's more about how can I help you or what can yes. I do for you? It's not about me. And a lot of people, so I stopped sharing the number of convert baptisms I've done because I don't want people to, are returning missionaries that returned from Sweden or Germany and had zero baptisms or one yeah. or two. And then here, Dennis has done how many? Yeah. Because it's not, it's, I'm in a different plate or a different genre. Totally. If you may. Yeah. And it's just, it's something that, you know, I'm set apart to be able to serve with missionaries all over the world, if they have an investigator that has a friend who's gay and they don't think we love and accept all, I'm right. able to do a, um, a lesson with them. So, and I'm so glad you said that because we all have a role to play and all of our roles are different. So I want to talk about your role as a gay man and a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So when you decided to get baptized, you said it was only three weeks since you started meeting with the missionaries before you before you realize this is where I'm supposed to be. Yes. How do you reconcile the teachings of we believe in marriage between a man and a woman, families are eternal, yes. proclamation says gender is an important characteristic of pre-mortal, mortal, yes. and eternal identity and purpose. How do you say, but there is still, there's still place for me, and no, this is where I belong. There is. There is. I, there's a quote I have in my book that says, you know, I can be a tr true member of the Lord's church who is gay and will not run from my past. In fact, I embrace it more fully than ever before. I have confidence. And I'm not saying that confidence in a prideful way. I'm saying that not just converts have a past, but we all have a past. And Carmen, so to go back to your question is, uh, so I received personal revelation that I um, that we are a church of prophecy and revelation, that uh, policies and procedures change. However, doctrine doesn't. Doctrine is foundation. And there was something I was reading in scripture in the Book of Mormon just before you came on. I'm not going to pull it up, but maybe I'll post it later. Is um, it's about having a rockful foundation. If you don't have that rockful foundation. So I think it was in third Nephi or something where it was talking about the winds were coming and everything was tearing, but because the foundation was, was rock solid. Yes. It, it didn't did fall. not, didn't fall. Yes. And so that is about my belief with the doctrine is I did not join this church to be an author. I did not join this church to be a devotional speaker. I was very adamant about it. Now I know I ignored that prompting from the general authority for months 
And I had mission presidents say, you need to write a book. And, and so I, I know, so, so when I joined gay, same sex couples were not allowed to have their children baptized or blessed. When we were going through the last edit with the, and it went through like dozens of legal edits with Deseret and the church and, and Cedar Fort and stuff. When we went to the last edit was when I was eight, when the church announced that same-sex couples can have their children be baptized and blessed in the church. And so we were able to change it, see how things change. Now, I know from serving with general authorities in Area 70s, there's a lot that changed. We have on our LDS tool or gospel apps, there's an app for same-sex attraction, transgender. And there are hours of videos and resources. How do I come out? Should I come out? And it says, yes. Um, can I serve a mission? Yes. Yes. So it's something that I do believe in eternal families. I know I'm, I am doing my younger brother's ordinance at Provo City Center, who died in 2004 from a drug overdose. Again, that was one of the hardest chapters to write in my book, Oh Beloved Brother. Because I grew up in a fundamentalist, born-again Christian family. And I was told my entire life that I am going to hell. God doesn't love me. God's going to strike me dead. And Jesus doesn't love me. Oh, Dennis. And so, but it's ironic that I stayed, you know, I've stayed over a period of a year and a half doing devotionals in Utah since I've been a convert. I haven't once paid for a hotel in Utah. I've stayed with returning missionaries, parents, grandparents, the anything my life is an open book if any when people spend time around me they i have a woman in orem saying oh my gosh you like opened up this can of worms and i don't know how to get it back you are an authentic homegrown gay and <laughs> i saw that video on yes. instagram and her mind was blown like my whole life that i thought well you chose this or well this was you know and 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 i don't know dennis and i'm still learning about you know, uh, uh, how we're born versus what we choose versus nature and nurture and all that. But yeah. she said, my whole perspective on what I thought has been bloop, yeah, blown out the window. And 70 and, years of her life. Yes. And that you were made how you are and for a purpose to help people bring them to, because if I go up to someone and say, here's why you should join the church. Here's what it means for me. And I'm a straight white LDS woman. How different is that than you? Like, I'm a single gay LDS guy. I know what you're going through. I know what it's like to be in a minority and to be criticized and, and, and to have hate crimes. And I still believe this is a place for you. How different is that for someone like you to encourage someone than someone like me? So, so what do you tell people that say, but you'll never have a family? You'll never have, you'll, you won't get married or have kids in this life. How does that affect you? So, Carmen, I put off on getting my patriarchal blessing for a year and a half because I was afraid it was going to tell me that I was going to be sealed to a woman in the temple and I thought I was going to have a faith crisis. Well, when I was doing a coordination meeting with the missionaries, uh, they felt compelled to ask me through spirit if I had received my patriarchal blessing and I told them no. And instead of doing the coordination meeting, they gave me a lesson on why I should do it. And I committed to yes. And then I went, oh, no, I don't want to. 
and my patriarchal blessing was a half hour long and it was something that we have to have faith we don't done on this this life or the other side of the veil yes and we don't know so also i've been asked to speak to a lot of young men from stake presidents because at the stake centers because in wards because in on the east coast where i live they were being persecuted by people in high school saying that they don't love and accept that we don't accept and i said invite them to meet the token gay you yes. know <laughs> and, and so there's Tell nothing me. yeah there's nothing you can say that will offend me and i um I, I've been at because I've I've let it all go. So you can say I don't know the verbiage, or you can say things that are offensive, and it wouldn't be offensive to me because not like I would say other LGBTQ people where they'd be like, "Well, you have to refer to me like this or that." No, I will melt. My heart will melt, and I will listen to you. And through listening, we learn, and through learning, we become more Christ-like. And that is a gift of the spirit. That is a gift of the spirit and something that you receive when you become a baptized member of the church of Jesus Christ, that you have a love for others and an understanding of them. So, so when, so when let's go back to the topic of families. So do you feel like I have a mission here on earth? And by the way, there's so many people that are single that are straight too, that may never get yes. married and have families in this life. Yeah. So, so how do you envision well, your life yeah. in the eternities? So it's, it's, I, when I was baptized before I was baptized, I didn't know what was going to happen to my same sex attraction. I always wanted to be married and, and, you know, have a family, but I just didn't know how. Yeah. And so, after I was baptized, that desire to cuddle with somebody or to be with somebody just went away. And what ended up happening was I've been on both sides of the track. I've been on this side, this side. Now I say I'm on this side heading up to Heavenly Father to strive to be more like him. So I wear a CTR ring and a lot of people at Firesides will criticize me and say, why is he wearing a wedding band? Why wear the CTR ring on my wedding band? And it reminds me to not only choose the right, it rem- choose to remember him, but in my wallet I'm showing you right here is it reminds me to that I'm a current temple recommend holder. And that's something that, so I am no different than a nun or a priest or even my friend, sister Bobby Rush lives in Irvine, California. She's been married, she's been single, she's 78 years old. She's been single for almost 40 years. She said, I just am, I'm following the same law of chastity that you're following. Yeah. Yes. And, and that we all follow, I mean, until we get married, which is twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, never in this life, um, that we all to go back. I'm sorry to go back to your question on family, uh, is that we just don't know the answer is the only one that knows that answer. I know that we're, we will not be single if we are single in this life, what happens to the returning missionary who unfortunately returns from their mission and is to get married in, in the pace and town and then gets hit by a car and, and, and unfortunately dies before they get married yes. or they, they sealed? Or what happens to the person who, you know, develops leukemia and, and can't and doesn't get married? Is yes. God going to leave them single? I no. don't. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I completely agree with you. How does it, you said that when you got baptized that 
that desire to to be with someone or or to cuddle with someone or hold or hold hands went away. But are there times where you do feel lonely and you think I I, I would love someone to hug me or yeah. hold me and, and and I do want to be and and what would you say to people yeah. that are maybe struggling with that feeling like. I, I want to be with someone and because humans need physical touch. Yeah. We need love. What would you say? And what do you do when you're feeling that yourself? Well, so um, I developed a buddy system and it, it consists of returning missionary. I will, t- if I'm having a faith crisis, it's usually late at night. So it's usually, you know, um, midnight, my time, which is 10 PM your time. I will text 40 returning missionaries on my iPhone, a group text, and they know whoever calls me back first is there for me. I rely a lot on, I have been pounced on when I was a walk-in to this ward. They were like pounced, like pounced on me. I was invited to family home evenings. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> I was invited to FHEs. I'm like, what's that? You know? <laughs> and I was pounced on because they were, um, they were like, oh my gosh, what a breath of fresh air. And I just, and, you know, whenever I'm asked to speak at the pulpit or something, I just get, you know, people, you're not supposed to take pictures at the pulpit, but the last time I spoke was a few Sundays ago, and it was about how to be a great member missionary. And I, um, somebody said I had to take pictures because I needed to remind myself of this precious moment forever. And they sent them to me and I was just like, oh, but we're not supposed to take pictures at the pulpit. (laughs) There's a reason now we do zoom at the pulpit. So who knows, maybe that has changed. So I just know that there's a reason that if it wasn't for my ward family, I say, this is not a, even though we're almost 17 million members, we are not a, we, even though we're a religious organization, we're a family first. It's so true. We are a family first. And I'm so glad you said that if we remember that, that we're, we truly are brothers and sisters have differently we would treat each other and that we're all different and and heavenly father loves us all and wants us to embrace each other and love each other and not no judgment and and i'm i love that you said and for those of you that are listening and not watching dennis you said you pointed one direction you know i used to go this direction then this but now you pointed straight up it now it's this is the direction i'm going so i'm just going up and and there's a scripture in the book of Mormon and um, the angel is showing Nephi the tree of life and he shows him Mary and, and she got pregnant, you know, with Jesus before she knew Joseph. And it was, he said, knowest thou the condescension of men? And Nephi said, I don't know the meaning of all things, but I know the Lord loveth his children. And I love that you said, I don't know the meaning of all things. I don't know what's going to happen in the next life or what heavenly father's plan, but I know he loves me. How does that knowledge Dennis help you and change you to, to be strong in those moments that are difficult? Well, so um, a general authority once said to me, we need more gay people in our wards. And I've had, and I, when I do my devotionals, I say this, we need more gay peoples in our wards. We need more people that are minorities in our wards because um, to share charity, the pure love of Christ. But the plan of salvation, when I was taught by the missionaries, they, they drew a diagram and my first lesson, and they asked Dennis, can you connect the dots? And the way it's, it's connected is it spells L O V E because the gospel of Jesus Christ 
is about love. And God would have not made me the way we are if there wasn't a reason. And yeah. I know it's to share charity in the pure love of Christ. So will you tell me about that moment when you decided of all the religions in the world and 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 of all the <laughs> wonderful goodness that they you know that they provide and they offer what was it about this gospel in particular that you said oh wait there's something different <laughs> i was still i was still thinking i was still thinking when i was ba being baptized i'm like oh my gosh i am nuts i need to see a psychiatrist i need to commit myself <laughs> like what am i doing uh, what am a I doing? gay guy is joining the mormons hello <laughs> And um, yeah, it was just an undeniable, undeniable feeling of love. I had over 150 people at my baptism right through those doors in, um, <laughs> I mean, it's like, I'm like going, and when I was first calling was ward missionary, then a few months later, it was ward mission leader. I was setting up for a baptism. My bishop comes in and he goes, Dennis, what are you doing in the chapel setting up? I'm like, well, we're having a baptism. And he goes, yeah, we do that in the primary room. And I go, what's the primary room? <laughs> and I didn't know. I don't even know what that is. So, yeah, it's just, but um, to, to lighten, I, I, I got to tell a joke. It's, it's, um, so my parents being born again, Chris, my father's a deacon of a church of 6,000 members. It's one of those made up things. They used to be first assembly of, and then they didn't like paying uh, the tithings or franchise fees. So the, the pastor went to Brazil for a week, came back and said, he's a bishop and they broke. Now it's crossroads community cathedral. And I'm like, how can you do that? You yeah, know, that doesn't yeah. even have God's name in it. Yes. And, and so my father said to me before I was leaving for Utah in summer of 2009 for four and a half months to do book signings and devotionals. I said, dad, what are your concerns? And he said, well, son, your mother and I are concerned you're gonna come home with a greyhound full of multiple husbands. And I was like, seriously, dad, a whole greyhound? <laughs> and he's I'm like, you know what? And everybody in my stake and ward, they wanted to get on the husband bus. And I'm like, no, we're not adding to the stereotype. No, yes. what am I gonna do? Introduce them as, hi, meet Peter, James and John. Right. Luke, Paul and Matthew. No, it's like, so that was just my way to lighten it up a little bit. Oh, and how, how have your parents, have they been supportive now? No, not at all. Not at all. They, my mother said to me the other day that this was false doctrine because I had asked her to read it again and I'm just leading by example. It's hard. It's really, really, really hard, but it's, you know, being the fact that I'm, a spokesperson, I guess you could say, for the church. It's really hard when my own parents think that I'm in a cult. And that's something. But I also um, have been getting so many trolls on Instagram commenting on my reels and different things and stories saying cult and, and leaving anti-church stuff. And somebody said to me in a comment, oh, I see you're attracting a lot of trolls. Brother, that means you're onto something. Don't I stop what you're doing. I was just going to say that. That means you're doing something right. Because why would Satan care about people that that aren't doing something right? He doesn't want to get them down. He's like, I've already got them. I don't care about them. Yeah. I want the people that are doing something good. That's who he's going to go after. Yeah. So that must mean, oh, yeah, you're doing something yeah. right. Yeah. Yep. So you talked about at the beginning of the podcast, um, going to Palmyra yeah. and that was that kind of your moment of real life. Was that before or after you were baptized? 
That was uh, uh, 30, uh, 30 days to the day before I was baptized. Before. And before. And so I was driving up there the whole time, praying to God, please blow my engine, blow all four tires, just anything to get out of this. And um, obviously that didn't happen. But the, the interesting story is I found out later, because we had to pull the missionary diaries and everyone's diaries and journals, because there's your story, my story, and the truth when I was writing this book and yeah. the church editors wanted to see everyone. So there were things that I learned I didn't realize, but with my friends, Andrew and Audrey, I was clutching to my stolen book of Mormon. Like we'd get out to walk around and say, hold on, I gotta go back to the car and get my stolen book. And I was carrying it like a comfort blanket and I hadn't even read it yet or opened it, but I just needed it. And then the playlist I was listening to on iTunes driving up there was the same playlist I've listened to for years. Madonna was going and I'm dancing and singing and having a good time. And all of a sudden <laughs> I'm driving home. And so I'm driving home and I'm listening to that same playlist and I couldn't disconnect Bluetooth fast enough. I almost crashed my car. I was like, oh my gosh, oh heavens. Oh, oh holy smokes. Like this is holy cows, holy rhinoceroses. This is not good. <laughs> I could not stop enough. And I'm just going like, and then I, I pulled over and I looked up and I said, because I almost hit a tree. And I said, God, what have you done to me? Like, what? And this is like, you know, the gay anthem, Madonna, come on. Yeah. Like, oh, everybody yeah. listens to the gay anthem. Come right. on. You know, I'm going to lose my toaster oven card right. that, you know, for being gay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because there was a joke that we gave, that Ellen gave those away, you know, yes. when everybody came out here, you get a toaster oven, you get a right. toaster oven. Um, and so I just was going like, really, the Holy Ghost. And another thing was I used to talk like a, I, I used the word gay truck driver. Okay. <laughs> so I, meaning I had a, you know, not intentionally. I didn't grow up that way. It just kind of like, I think it was from hanging around with people and then using yeah. the Lord's name in vain. And yeah. that stuff is like, now I'm constantly, even when somebody says it, I go, gosh, gosh. I replaced it with gosh immediately because I just can't take it. You know, it's something that is. And so I found out that after one day of being in Palmyra, my friends, Andrew and Audrey, who were practically on their honeymoon, uh, in, were there saying that they noticed that they wrote in their diaries, we noticed that he started to correct his verbiage. Oh, and I'm like, I did. And instead of saying, what does your church believe? I would yeah. say, what does our church believe? And I didn't remember saying that that's from their diary. Really? Yeah. I think that is so interesting that you kind of had already started to associate yourself as a member of the church before you even were. And it's like that scripture in Alma that talks about the mighty change of heart mm. that truly you can have a three, I mean, a 180 degree turnaround from how you talked, how you thought, how you acted, and then being baptized. And now it's like, I'm literally a new creature in Christ. And did you feel that? Like I, I'm who I thought yeah. I was uh, and, and maybe some of your concerns about how will this change my identity, but instead heavenly father just enhanced it. And, and, and he all gave, of me, he yeah. gave me an undeniable glow that all of my friends and family knew. Oh. And I would later lose. I mean, I have lost all, I, I don't get invited to parties or birthday parties or Christmas parties from friends that I used to be with because they're like, 
and I see them on Facebook. I don't use Facebook anymore because it represents my past. Things pop oh. up 10 years ago today, you were doing this and I'm like, oh heavens. Like, so, I don't wanna see that. And I use Instagram and I'm an influencer on Instagram because Al Caraway got me on Instagram, but I, I don't follow anyone back because I wanna keep my feed clean. I follow church sites. I follow, you know, things that are inspirational. I want, it's like we keep our minds pure and our, yeah. our thoughts clean to always be ready to enter the house of the Lord. And I have even seen where I've, re, where I followed returning missionaries and I could see that they're falling away from the gospel. And then I hunt them down and say, I'm going to, you know, we're going to do a hundred proxy baptisms, but it breaks my heart when I see things that aren't of the scripture. So I keep it where people follow me because they want my testimony. And I had such a hard time, Carmen, with that in the beginning, because I said to a general authority, so many people are saying to me, we need you, or I love you, or I love your feed, or That's I love what you pressure. said. And I would always, and I told this to a general authority and he said, Dennis, it's not you they need, it's your testimony. And so I now was able to disconnect that and say, okay, it's okay to say that or to, to read it in a comment. And, uh, but I still want to keep it about how can I help you? What can I yes. do for you? That is amazing that, and it's a lot, like I said, it's a lot of pressure for someone to look at you and, and be watching you and, and what is Dennis doing? What is he saying? And, and, and maybe your critics are watching you to mess up and maybe the people that support you are expecting you to be perfect, which neither that's not fair, you know, to, yeah. to be perfect or to, or to watch. But how do you keep just being you and, and sharing yeah. testimony? And so, yeah. So I, I do get weekly comfort blessings. And that was advised by leaders in the church originally. And then I noticed that when I didn't is when, I mean, I would get puke emojis saying, you know, you're a disgrace to every LGBT person who fought for your rights. I've, been, I've, I've had true. death threats. Awful. I have been told that the suicide rate is going to go up because of you. Oh, my goodness. And I am just like, and I, I keep being me because I, I know that I have to. And I, I cannot imagine living without this gospel from what I've, I can't imagine. I know this is my family and I know I'm going to end up in Utah someday. And I know I'm going to end up living with an LDS family that has an in-law apartment because that's what I need. As a single person, I need to surround myself with somebody that can say, hey, you want to come up and do, um, you know, a scripture night with us or FHE or, you know, we're going to do pre um, come follow me is I know that's what's going to end up happening. I just haven't found that family yet. <laughs> I, oh, guess. Goodness, but, I will pray for that for you. I will pray for that for you because you do and you and you deserve that and 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 deserve to be with with a family and to have that love and acceptance and support system around you because it is hard to be alone and you're doing an incredible job. So yeah. yes. So so let's talk about prayer for a second because yes. uh, in February before I was asked to write the book, I was praying to move to St. George and I got this huge like lightning bolt. Dennis, you, you don't belong in flip-flops. You need to stay in the cold. <laughs> like okay. I was just like going, and now I'm getting, you know, you don't belong in Utah. But I think of Al Caraway. She felt that prompting to go out there and she wouldn't be where she was today. I felt personal revelation back in March, just before COVID hit, when I was speaking, before I got stranded there last year. 
uh, in COVID on March 5th, I was feeling that I'm needed there more than I am here. Where originally I was feeling I was getting more convert baptisms here, yeah. where in Utah, I will bring people, I will strengthen their testimony by yes. being there. And that's what is, is important right now. It's not about the number of convert baptisms no, you have. Right. It's, it's not about a number. It's about retention. And, keep, and if I can go through these trials and tribulations, Carmen, you can go through this. All of your listeners can go through this. Everybody that shares this podcast or video will, can go through this. Yes. And, and, and that's what I wanted to ask you, too, because you talk about strengthening people's testimonies versus converting people to the church or strengthening people that are, are already in the church. There's a lot of um, our LGBTQ youth who have who are leaving the church in droves and feeling like they don't feel accepted by members of the church or they don't feel accepted here, or maybe they want to experience the lifestyle that, that, that they want and they want to be with someone of their same gender, or maybe they want to transition. And, and I can't imagine their struggles and how hard that would be trying to navigate what should I be doing and, and where's the right place. And, and I think it ultimately comes down to where do I feel accepted and loved? And what would you say to them who, who want to leave the church feeling like it's not for them or they're not accepted yeah. and loved here? Why stay? For, first, ask yourself. My number one testimony to that is I can tell you, I think we all agree, the latter days are sooner than later, especially with the pandemic we just went through. And with the prophecy of the church and the prophet, I cannot deny our prophet is called by God because of the fact that he set forth that we would go from three hour to two hour church focused on home center teaching and he was preparing us for this pandemic so really think about that but if they do choose to leave or if you have or if your if your family members choose to leave i get texts all the time my iphone saying dennis i spoke you spoke at my institute but i have to leave i have to see what it's like if the grass is green on the other side i say to them it breaks my heart but I say you are will always be an eternal brother or sister in my eyes because that leaves the door open. You never know if it's going to be like Elder Christofferson's brother who came back after being excommunicated. Right. And look at Charlie Bird, um, the mascot for BYU. He's yes. never, you know, or my friend Ben. There are thousands of full temple recommend holders that identify as gay that are members of the Church of Jesus Christ. And there are even more, there are more that are coming in and being baptized as openly gay. So if, if any of us lack wisdom, ask of God, James 1.5. But I say my biggest answer for you, Carmen, is let's focus on the people that are listening, that have family or loved ones that are telling them they're leaving, is we just need to leave the door open for them because we never know and always lead by example. Because I find that when somebody leaves the church, they become really like they're marching in the streets and they're shoving it down our throats. Like, you know, we're here, we're gay, we deserve equality, we deserve this. Where if we can get them and touch them with charity and the pure love of Christ earlier on, they may not be so... I did a fireside in Pasadena, California. I had a woman that did not want to attend. She drove home three times and drove back to the stake. And then somebody saw her and pulled her in and, 
and she there was a line out the door of people to greet meet and greet me afterwards and she just would not let go and she wouldn't stop crying later i found out i thought she was going to come out to me or tell me that she was bisexual or something but no later i found out she says i didn't want to come because i thought all gay people were mean and you were the first nice gay person i met oh my goodness how amazing is that and that was from her perception of and she's my age of growing up in Utah and having her, her mother's, her aunt, her mother's sister came out and then her father's brother came out and they were pushing them to leave the church. And then her first boyfriend was, um, when he was at BYU, he came out to her and told her, uh, but you can't tell my mom. And my mom would be texting her saying, what happened to little Ronnie? How come he doesn't come home for the holidays anymore? And she couldn't say anything. And then him and his partner started to gang up on her and say, you got to leave that church. You got to join us for fighting for this and stuff. And, and where that's like my friend, Judy, she's used to people marching in Salt Lake or Provo screaming for equality. Yeah. Dressed femininely. Right. And that's the perception. Right. But when they meet me, I'm not marching for equality. I, I, I wear my Apple watch had my temple president bought me the, this him and his wife bought me the rainbow for pride month. And my former mission president for this area in Connecticut, um, him and his wife bought me a rainbow bow tie and a handkerchief and socks because they said um, my, our elders and sisters have been complaining. You're not dressing gay enough to go <laughs> on teachings. Oh my goodness. And I, when I get called and the elders or sisters say, Dennis, can you wear your rainbow stuff? I said, okay. Okay. So you can, you can still be who you are. Your amazing, incredible, beautiful self, but focus on that love and that charity to bring others to Christ. And that I love that you say, I don't know, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know Jesus loves me and he loves you and he loves all of us. And, and the whole point is to come back to him. And what better way than to first start with telling others how they can come back to him and through, through trusting him and, and, yeah. and his plan for them, whoever we are, whatever mistakes you've made and whatever we've done in our lives. I'm so glad you said the door's always open. That goes for any of us that have done terrible things because we all sin and we all do wrong things. We all think we're not worthy for whatever reason. Even if we're not sinning, we can all think, well, I'm not worthy because of this or Jesus doesn't love me because of that. But the door is always open and he's always there waiting for yes. us to turn to him. Yes, that and is so true. And, and you have done so much good. Your book, Is He Nuts?, why tell me the exact title is he nuts is he nuts why a gay man would become a member of the church of jesus christ and where can people find this book they can find it at deseret siegel amazon cedar fort uh, any major bookstore even walmart target and costco awesome. and you can also find me on instagram just type in dennis schleicher s-c-h-l-e-i-c-h-e-r and my website is dennisschleicher.net Perfect. Dennis, you, I'm so grateful to have met you and talk with you. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Ditto. Like you are just, you're so uplifting and, and your perspective on just trusting heavenly father is beautiful. And you've inspired me so much. Um, it's, it's interesting. Like 
being a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you get views from both sides of what's right and what's wrong and what you should be doing and you shouldn't. And I'm just so grateful for you that you're kind of breaking down barriers and you're like, I am gay, but here's why I also believe in this gospel. And, and people, like you said, with the woman in Orem that have a certain perspective on how we should be treating people or what we think gay people are like, that it's just like, no, we're all children of God. We're all brothers and sisters. Like we're all in this together and you're kind of breaking down those barriers and, and letting people see the LGBT community in a different light. And hopefully then they can in turn maybe see the LDS church in a different light as well. And you're doing amazing things and what a mission heavenly father has for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Carmen. For all of the good that you are doing, check out Dennis's book, his Instagram, his website, and learn more about how he's changing lives all around the world with his perspective and his beautiful life. Dennis, thank you so much for coming on Doing Good. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert, available exclusively inside Our Turtle House. At Our Turtle House, there's something for the whole family. From full-leg talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers, to fun family home evening lesson plans that follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. There's even short daily devotionals made specifically for your teens. Plus, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Doing Good next week.